So you're terrified at the thought of public speaking, sharing your story in public. It's vulnerable, it's scary, it's terrifying. What if I mess up? What if somebody doesn't like me? What if somebody takes it wrong? What if I'm just embarrassed? You feel anxious? These are all completely normal things. And in today's video, I wanna share with you six really little known ways to overcome the fear of public speaking. Some of these I was taught some of these I discovered by accident on my own and they were really helpful for me and they're not generally taught in uh, public speaking courses and things like that. So I'm glad to share them with you today because the best gift you can give to the world is sharing your story that people can relate to. So not only you can get healed and a little bit better, but also other people can heal as well. And by the way, don't forget to go get the free seven step share your story roadmap. It's seven simple steps. It's free. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't want your money. I'm giving you something free here. It's seven simple baby steps you can follow along with. It's a little roadmap. It's a one-page PDF and a one-short video. And what you can do is you can just simply follow those seven steps to go from anxious and nervous but wanting to share your story all the way to sharing your story and having people come up to you afterwards thanking you for sharing your story and telling you what a difference it made in their lives. That's the best part of speaking. I absolutely love it. That's what hooked me with the first time that ever happened. And so go to useyourstory.com and just pick up that free seven-step share your story roadmap. I made it simple and easy so you don't have to feel anxious or overwhelmed. You can just take your very first baby step at your pace. So go get it at useyourstory.com. So one of the first ways to overcome the fear of public speaking is to be prepared. It should go without saying, but you'd be surprised, you'd be shocked at how many people sort of throw speeches together and they just figure they're sort of going to wing it. Uh, you don't do that. All right. Success is a planned thing. Rarely is it random that it just works out and you just wing the whole thing. All right. When you are not prepared for something, you automatically feel more anxious, more stressed out, more overwhelmed. I mean, think about it. If you're going on a date and you don't know anything about the person or you're going into a maybe a job interview and you don't even know much about the company or the role they might be hiring you for or you haven't talked to maybe the person interviewing you before so you don't know if they're mean or if they can help you put you feel at ease, things like that. The less prepared you are, the more stressed and overwhelmed you'll be. And the best way, one of the best ways to overcome the fear of speaking is to be prepared when it comes to your speech, when it comes to uh, the structure of your speech, knowing it's structured correctly. And at useyourstory.com and our, and our program, we teach you how to put together uh, a speech the right way, very simply and easy. And it's it amazes me how many, uh, even celebrities, people uh, with big names, I watch them give speeches. And let's be honest, I'll just be truthful with you. Their speeches absolutely sucked. It was bad. And then I've seen people you've never heard of and I had never heard of. And they gave a speech that just blew me away. And it touched me in the heart. It touched me in the inside. It touched my mind. It made me think differently or it challenged something. And I really, really appreciated the person because I could tell that, that they really prepared for it. And uh, they weren't wasting my time. All right. So be prepared and know, you know, know what to expect at a, at a speaking event. Talk to the meeting planner. Ask them what you know, is expected of them. I have a whole checklist in the user story program about things to look out for so you don't get blindsided when you get to an event. So again, be prepared with your speech and with the details of the event. And again, we go into more of that at the in the user story program. 
The second way to overcome the fear of public speaking is to know that your audience wants you to win. Uh, unless you're a politician, some of them want, want you to win. Others just want to watch you burn. And both will show up at your rally uh, if you're a politician. I don't think that's any of us here. Uh, that's actually not what I'm teaching in this course. So you don't have to worry about that unless you go into politics later. Uh, but you'll have thick skin uh, if you do have to go into that. But generally know that your audience wants you to win. They're normal people just like you and me. And they're not there to criticize you. I mean, they're giving you one of their most valuable assets. And that's their time that they can never get back. They want you to win. They want you to do well. They want you to enjoy yourself. And they want to be able to have something, even just one little thing of value that they can take away from your speech so that they can apply it to their lives and somehow have a better life or at least improve their lives in some certain area, even if just by a little bit. They want you to win. They want you to do well. And they want to take away value from you. The third lesson here is to actually care about your audience. You wouldn't believe how many speakers I've I've seen over the years and encountered. They're just there to sell something. And uh, they have all these these little, what they think are like these little little ninja mental techniques. And they think they're getting around on people by telling them to, I'll go stand in the corner and I'll be right with you because you're supposed to, you know, we were taught that standing in the corner means you're in trouble because he's over here trying to sell somebody something and he doesn't know if you're ready to buy yet or not bunch of crap like that you wouldn't believe some of the stupid stuff that goes on some people take way too much of their own medicine but actually care about your audience these are people just like you they have brothers and sisters they have jobs they may be married or have kids they have careers they're stressed out about a lot of the same things you are and they they probably gone through a lot of the same trauma you have you just don't know it but when you come to your audience with the mindset of i know everyone in this audience is fighting some sort of battle and i want to help them win or at least contribute to their winning that makes a difference on how you come off because it's a it's a proven communication scientific fact that most of our communication the majority of what we communicate does not come out of our mouths it comes out of our body language it comes out of our looks and our expressions our nonverbal cues that we give off and if you if you think if you're just trying to sell people something and you think you're going to get over on people uh People aren't dumb. Don't get me wrong. People make a lot of dumb decisions every day. But people are not dumb. They can read you like a book. And they most of them won't say anything to you. They just won't talk to you afterwards or be impacted by you or helped by you in any way uh, if you don't just genuinely care about your audience. And so remember that it's a lot easier to talk to people in your audience when you actually care uh, how they feel and about what they're going through. Not that you can be the ultimate solution for what they're dealing with. But if you actually care about people, you care about the people you're talking to, people feel it. People can feel the love. That's one way to put it. People can feel it. And here's what's even more funny. There are so many fake people in this world that when you're just genuinely yourself, people notice. It's really sad and pathetic, actually. I always I always say to people, how pathetic is it that we live in a world where uh, that is so fake and so prefabricated, everyone puts on a mask in a show. How sad is it that when somebody's just genuinely being themselves, people notice and appreciate it because they know the real thing when they see it. And it seems to be so uncommon nowadays uh, with social media and the news media that when people actually see it, they notice it when somebody's just being themselves. In fact, over the years, that's been one of the biggest, the biggest compliment I've gotten. Um, and I don't say that to praise myself in any way. 
But the number one compliment I've gotten over the past 15 plus years of speaking is after I get off stage or people write me emails or messages afterwards, they say, he was just so real. He was just so down to earth. You know, he was just himself. He was just so real. And I think, how sad is it that we live in a world when you're just being yourself, people notice it because it's so uncommon. And so it, just know it's okay to be you. It's okay to be how you are. As long as you're not hurting or outright offending people uh, in a really malicious way. Um, not that people have to agree with everything you say. I'm not saying that. But as long as you're not being malicious or something like that, you know, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to share yourself. And here's the thing too. When you share from the heart, when you share something vulnerably uh, about yourself with vulnerability, not only do people feel and appreciate that, but you actually give them permission to do the same in their life. And healing follows with that. It happens in your life and it happens in my life. And one thing people really appreciate about that is the fact that you're on stage. And when you're on stage, you're immediately perceived as an expert in something because nobody would have put you up there if you weren't, even if you underestimate yourself. Number four is go around and shake people's hands before your speech at the event. I actually discovered this one by accident. Uh, I, would, I, I show up to my speeches about an hour early um, at a minimum so we can check, you know, the technology, anything I'm using, uh, if I'm using a PowerPoint or a slide presentation or the microphone, doing a sound check, things like that. But after I'm done, I'm just kind of walking around. And one thing that's interesting is that at that point, a lot of people don't know you're a speaker, that you're going to be speaking. Most of the speeches I give, I'm, I'm the keynote speaker. I'm either the opening kickoff keynote speaker or the closing keynote speaker. And a lot of people, because I'm not super famous, I'm not celebrity status recognizable, even though I've been doing this a long time, a lot of people don't know who I am. And so I'll just walk up, I'll walk up to random people uh, and shake their hand and say, hi, you know, hi, I'm Brian, what's your name? And I'll get to know them a little bit and getting to know them, talking to them. I'll do that maybe 15, 20 people uh, before a speech. And then when I'm on stage, I look for those people and I focus on those people. I always focus on people I've met and people who laugh at my jokes and smile because you're always going to have that one guy who just falls asleep uh, during your speech. It's not you, it's him. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, uh, there's one in every crowd. I mean, I can have a bloody picture of me after Afghanistan up there on, and, you know, talking about and laughing about how, you know, people ask me what it's like in Afghanistan, and I just tell them I had a blast or something like that, and people laugh at it. That guy's still sleeping. Maybe he didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. Who knows? But it's a lot easier to speak to people who are new friends than strangers. It's easier to talk to people it's, it's more comfortable to talk to people who are sort of newer friends to you. You have a little bit of history, even if it's just five minutes with them, you know, a half hour ago. It's easier to talk to friends and people you have a little bit of history with, uh, even if it's a little, little, little bit of history, uh, than it is to talk to complete strangers. And so go around at your event. Talk to people. And here's, here's something, I again, I didn't mean to do this, but here's what I noticed when I started doing that. I felt better. They appreciated it. And after I got off stage, they would come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were the speaker. Like it's some big deal. To them it is. If you get up on stage, it's a big deal. To me, I just, I love helping people, so it's not a big deal. But they just, they couldn't believe that the speaker, the keynote speaker for the big event 
would come up and talk to them and um they didn't even realize it, it was it was me and so again i'm not a big deal but in that context you know as a keynote speaker i'm perceived as that and you're perceived as that if you're on that stage people look at you differently they sort of they sort of put you on a pedestal and i understand why that happens i don't really like it personally but i understand why and i definitely use it uh, not just to my advantage but mostly to their advantage and one of the best ways to connect with people and be comfortable is uh connecting with them before your speech and then hey if they don't realize it's you until afterwards they just they can't believe that the keynote speaker came up and talked to them before the speech and then they found out it was you and now they love you even more all right so that's goodwill that's good relationship building that's good speaking right there the fifth thing you can do is give away something free and now there there is a marketing uh mindset behind this but make sure you give away something free that's of value a lot of times it's like a digital download or a video lesson or like a pdf something that is really helpful for your particular audience uh, that you know how to do that you can you can help them with it helps them solve a problem you can just refer them to your website uh, where they can download this people love getting free stuff and it, it spreads a lot of goodwill to give away free stuff it's great for relationship building it tells people look i'm not here to just sell you something uh, you give them a ton of value in your speech you give away something of all equally great value that they can take home with them and they can get value out of it. Usually it's like a download. So you go to my website. Like when you go to useyourstory.com, uh, if I'm speaking to an audience of trauma survivors who want to share their stories or something of that nature, or if I'm on a podcast or an interview, I tell people, go to useyourstory.com. I have this free seven-step uh, you know, share your story roadmap that shows you the baby steps for going from where you are to where you want to be sharing your story. Even if you're brand new and you feel nervous and you've never done it before, it's easy. And you can take your first step. People appreciate the value of that. Because if I just said, hey, here's how to speak to 10,000 people in an audience, most people aren't there. They wouldn't even get it. They wouldn't even want to download it because they're not there. It would be too much to bite off. All right. So a lot of people are afraid of being accused of being salesy or selfish or trying to get something out of people. And that's why they, they're speaking or sharing their stories. But when you when you just give away something for free, it spreads goodwill among everyone else, among your audience members, but it really kind of shuts up the critics who want to accuse you of um, just trying to sell people stuff. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with selling something. Uh, we live in a culture where, where bad, sleazy salesmen have made us all look bad. Because look, if like I've written four books. I have a book called uh, Redeployed. It's right over here on my shelf. And if... That book can help another military veteran like me overcome the struggles with PTSD that he or she deals with. They don't kill themselves and they don't get divorced. They get better and they're a better family person and a better spouse and a better parent. Uh, I'm glad I charged them 15 or 20 bucks for that book. Was that is, Would that be a worthy investment? Is that a worthy investment on their end? Hell yes, it is. I mean, if, if, I mean, if a divorce is going to cost you Ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Split everything you ever worked for, fifty, fifty, or more, and you're going to lose everything, including lots of your relationships, maybe even the respect of your kids or the alliance of your kids. Man, if you can just for twenty bucks, if there's something in a book that can help you deal with an issue that can prevent that. Is that a worthy investment on the person's end? Yeah. Now I'm getting into sales psychology right now. I'm getting into overcoming sales. That's not my point here, but that's just a little extra for you uh, because it came to mind. I didn't plan on telling you that. 
And here's my sixth piece of advice. Identify the two or three major key objections that you think people might have to you sharing your story or the lessons that you're sharing during your speech. Here's why this is important. It can keep hecklers at bay. It can keep people who might perceive you wrong or incorrectly from wanting to say something, which I don't know if I've ever had anyone shout at me during a a speech. That's really, really rare. Not that it doesn't happen to speakers, but I've been doing this 15 years. I don't know I've ever had it happen. But um, one one reason you know people heckle sometimes is because there's there's some sort of misunderstanding that is miscommunicated. And so what you can do is if if they, if you know there are going to be two or three objections or rebuttals to your story, or one or two of the points you're going to make, or you could do this. You could have uh, you could do this. You know, identifying two or three objections with each of your key talking points. That way, you're not you're you're less misunderstood, but also it keeps critics or hecklers at bay who uh, might disagree with you. A good example of this came. Uh, I was I was actually talking to a, a therapist during therapy uh, years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, and uh, after we were done talking, she was there to help me. Um, she had mentioned she has a speech coming up, and she's a psychologist, a PhD, a therapist, a counselor, and she said, you know, every time I I talk, there's this, uh, you know, there's there's other counselors um, in the audience, but there's also medical doctors, MDs, and apparently there's this friction sometimes between. Uh, psychotherapists, um, mental health doctors, and medical doctors. And so there's a difference in what they do. Sometimes there's friction. And she said, you know, there's always this one MD, and he always wants to say something. And it's just so annoying. It makes me feel anxious. Uh, and which, that's pretty terrible, by the way, especially if you're a, you're something like a medical doctor. You should be way more mature than that. Yet I know enough medical doctors uh, who are friends of mine to know that not all MDs uh, should be doctors. And so they're also human. But uh, in this particular case, and it could go the other way too, but in this particular case, she said he always like raises his hand or wants to, to, to like argue with me or object to something I say. And so I started counseling her the last five or six minutes. I said, well, you know, I said, you've been really helpful for me based on your expertise as a psychotherapist. I said, but I've been a professional speaker for about 11 years. I think about 10 or 11 years at that point. And I said, I know exactly what you can do to not feel anxious, and to keep that person quiet, which you'd like to know what it is. And the look on her face brightened, and she just said, oh my gosh, please. And I, this is what I told her. I said, think about the two or three things he, the biggest things he might object to. And I say, when you open your speech or you get to the point in your uh, one of your lesson points that you think he's going to object to, just address it up front and just say what those things are. Because here's what's going to happen. If she addressed his arguing points that he wanted to debate her about. If she already addressed it, he would actually look bad if he raised his hand and asked about it again, because she could just say, well, sir, I actually already addressed that. And I appreciate the the question, but, but I already addressed that. And if he wanted to argue with her and keep debating everyone else around there, who he wants the respect of, they would sort of just look at him weird and think, why is why does he keep asking her this question? She already addressed that. Can we move on? And so it puts the heckler or the possible critic uh, in a position where they might look bad and they don't want to look bad. They want to look good to everybody. Uh, and so think about, you know, that's just an example. But um, whenever I say something that might be confrontational, 
uh, I'll say it and I'll say it bluntly, but I also sometimes preface it or afterwards very quickly. I'll, I'll explain how this may not be the case for everybody, but here's what I've learned. And so, uh, you know, think about that. What are some objections? What are like two or three of the major objections that you might get when you're sharing your story or one of the key lesson points in your speech? Because if you address it up front, you're a lot less likely to have people uh, oppose you or raise their hands and ask questions that that might seem like they're trying to debate you or something like that. But again, it all comes back. This kind of wraps around to, to point number one and being prepared. Uh, know, know the objections that you might have, uh, people may have against what you're saying, if there are any. And so just being ready for those, just being that, that preparation and being aware, that makes you feel a lot less overwhelmed and a lot less anxious. So I hope you've enjoyed this lesson. I hope it's been helpful. I know for a lot of people it has been over the years who I've taught and I've, you know, I've mentored into speaking and things like that. And if you'll just take these six things and you will just apply them to your life, maybe a few of them you're okay with already. And maybe a few of them you need to focus on more. Well, just go ahead and focus on doing those. And you're going to be amazed at how much uh, less anxious and how less overwhelmed you feel when you even think about giving a speech or when it's time to go give one. And again, make sure you go to useyourstory.com. Go pick up that free resource I have there. Go pick up that free seven-step share your story roadmap. Look, if you're trying, if you want to baby step into this thing at your own pace, test the waters, and you want to know what success looks like and how to get from where you are to where you want to be speaking and ultimately sharing your story, and you can go at your own pace, go get that Share Your Story Roadmap. It's free. Go to useyourstory.com and get it right now. It's a one-page PDF, very short. It's a one-page map accompanied by a very short video that's going to walk you through each of those steps so you can see how to get from where you are to where you want to be. So go to useyourstory.com right now to grab your free copy of it.